welcome to Prep Talk Podcast, a podcast that provides valuable insights and guidance to students as they navigate the college admission process. In today's episode, we have a special guest, Anushka Bindra, a successful Tutela alumni who not only gained admission to Brown University, but also achieved a 35 out of 36 in her SAT exam. We are thrilled to have Anushka here and share her expertise and experiences. So let's get started. Hi, Anushka. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Very excited. It's a pleasure. All right. So should we start with the first question? Sure. All right. So um, what were your strategies with your ACT exam preparation? And scoring the 35 is a big deal. So how did you do it? And what were the things you, you kept in mind that helped you gain such a good score? So I think there are multiple blocks to gaining a good score. Mm -hmm. I was always told that you need like 10 months of preparation. You need at least two attempts. It was always seemed... It always seemed as a big, scary exam, and you know. But for me, by the end of it, I did my ACT mm-hmm. um, in December, mm-hmm. and I applied to college in Jan, mm-hmm. and I had my boards, my ICSE board exams in December. So I had very little time, and it was a 35 or nothing because I had an SAT, uh, I had an SAT score of 1480, uh, mm-hmm. which was not good enough. So for mm-hmm. me, it was a 35 or nothing, and honestly. Um, what really, really helped me was Ashish, so mm-hmm. I think he was brilliant. He really helped um, I analyze my weak points according to what my uh, <coughs> base scores were. Mm-hmm. So I guess one thing, mentally, you need to take the block out of your head. I think all of us get super nervous, especially with ACT, SAT, APs. You need to force yourself to believe that there is no other option but to do it. Of course, I had prepared for the SAT before, so I had a lot of prep for standardized exams. But um, I think the mental block of this huge exam and so much pressure and with the time, you you really need to work on the mental block, which was my biggest issue with the SAT and ECT. Right. So you said that you did SAT initially and then you switched on to ACT. So how did you take that switch? Because SAT and ACT are very different from each other. And starting with SAT and then getting a bang on score in ACT. What do you think was that deciding factor to switch on your standardized test entirely? So I did the, I got a 1480 in my first attempt in the SAT. I worked with Tutela for Mm -hmm. the SAT. But, um, I'm, I'm not sure what was a lax. I think I, I was I misdiagnosed which test to take. Mm-hmm. I did an initial test for both SAT and ACT and mm-hmm. scored a lot higher on SAT than I did ACT. Mm-hmm. But I don't think your diagnostic test should only be about which test you scored better in. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't take into consideration which test I found um, easier, more fun, which mm-hmm. test was uh, more with the skills I have and my skills I think I'm good at reading and analyzing mm-hmm. I think um, the science section was very high scoring for me mm-hmm. I think I think that uh, when you're looking at your diagnostic you need to be a little bit more mindful not just look at the score but also look at other factors that go into it right okay so moving on to your uh, moving on to the next question uh, student resume is a very crucial aspect of going ahead with a broad education right and uh, what was some advice that you would like to provide to the students who are, you know, currently in the process uh, that uh, helped you make a standout student resume and land into, you know, one of the Ivy Leagues? So honestly, um, when I started off building this resume, I, I didn't really have college in mind. A lot of my activities were just things I did. And then around 11th, when I was applying, I put it all together because 
I've always been someone with a lot of energy and mm -hmm. very, very honestly, 90% of the activities my mother put me into so that the energy would go away. <laughs> but um, so I think I had a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I did dance for five years. Um, I did Kathak and Kuchipudi for three years and two years each. I uh, did sports for 12 years. I broke the state record for high jump and I was a national athlete for four years. Um, I also um, played the piano for eight years. I did up till grade five and then quit the piano and just played it for fun. But I had eight years of piano. And when I was in seventh grade, I started my, uh, I started volunteering at a village school nearby. Mm -hmm. Growing up, my mother really encouraged volunteering and things like that. So this really had nothing to do with college, but I started mm -hmm. volunteering. And over the years, it grew into um, sort of like my own NGO type thing. Mm -hmm. We raised money. Uh, for um, COVID supplies, we did a plantation drive. I went every week and taught basic math and English. It's honestly mostly about building a connection with the people there. Mm -hmm. So that was a big, big part of my resume. Because this was, over the course of six years, it became quite a big, big project. So you did a lot in terms of extracurriculars and then you had the SAT and ACT prep going on and you had your school academics that you cannot you know, compromise with. So how did you manage all of this at once? It must have been tough, I'm very sure. And the tri time management can get to you. It can be overwhelming for a lot of students. So how was uh, your experience with managing every so many things together? Now, this is what I did. I don't know if this was the best way and I don't know if other students should follow this. But for me, what ended up happening is every year of high school, I prioritized a different thing. Okay. So in grade nine, mm -hmm. um, I really, really prioritized my sports. I trained five to six times a week. I mm -hmm. became captain of the athletics team. And I really prioritized getting leadership positions in school based on sports. So that's how I became head of sports and captain mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that year, I didn't focus too much on academics. Obviously, you can't end up with like a 50%, but okay. you know, 80%, 85, mm -hmm. 80, 90, whatever. Mm -hmm. So my athletics became very strong. 10th grade, I focused very heavily on my academics mm -hmm. and I focused on my NGO. I ended up getting a 98 and awesome. topping my school. Mm -hmm. So I got scholar of the year in excellence in many different subjects. So that year I focused, obviously along with athletics, I focused on my NGO and I focused on academics. Now 11th and 12th were the two years where COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So this was a hard year and this is when you had to focus on, you know, other aspects of your I was very strong in my extracurriculars but 11th and 12th you needed to bring in research mm -hmm. so 11th and 12th I worked on two research projects and I started bringing in the academic side of my um, resume mm -hmm. I worked on um, developing my NGO by helping COVID and things like that but I also went to Kutub Minar and all of these historical sites learned about the history wrote about it in pamphlets things like that mm -hmm. because I was applying as a history political science um, applicant and then 12th grade, of course, you revert back to academics and sort of tie everything in together. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think going year by year, making sure academics don't fall and prioritizing other things was helpful. So as a student, you just don't apply to one college. That would be a you know, wise decision. What factors did your college uh, options influence and where did you end up, you know, uh, which acceptances did you end up getting and how did you finalize Brown as a last choice? Was it like the Ivy League tag that influenced the choice or was it something that Brown really has that influenced the choice? Honestly, Brown's been my dream school since 9th or 10th. Okay. So um, 
you know, everyone when they're in grade nine, a lot of people look at the holy trinity of IVs, which is Harvard and Princeton and Yale. But for me, it was always Brown. I always wanted to go to Brown. So I knew that if I was getting Brown, I'm going to Brown. So um, I applied to actually 35 colleges. 20 on the Common App, <laughs> 5 in the UK, I applied to 6 um, UCs. I, I just completely did an overkill. I applied to way too many colleges. And I think that's because I was in the COVID year, which was mm -hmm. very unpredictable. You didn't know if you could be a topper, you could get in nowhere. Mm -hmm. It was a, such an unpredictable, such a difficult year. So I just over applied to colleges. Mm -hmm. For me, I specifically chose Brown because of number one, the open curriculum. Mm -hmm. In my first year at Brown, I've done um, calculus, biotechnology and acting. I can't think of any other school where you can do such, you know, international law, biotech, math. You can truly explore every subject. Mm -hmm. And there really is no restriction. And the open curriculum was really, really a big selling point for me. Mm -hmm. Number two, the clubs at Brown have a relatively low barrier to enter. That means once you've gotten into Brown, it's not that to get into a certain club or anything, of course it's competitive, but it's not unbelievably high barriers of entry because they encourage everybody to explore many different types of fields. Mm -hmm. So for me, the whole idea of be the best at something or don't try it was a very, it's not a good idea. I wanted to learn things about investing, I wanted to learn theatre, I wanted to learn consulting, there's so many different things I wanted to learn. And the idea that Brown was a place that encouraged you to learn many different skills before you truly decide what you want to do is again a big selling point. Also, um, Brown has been ranked on multiple different websites as the happiest school in the United States. Yeah, it encourages um, inclusivity and it's just a very friendly environment, which I absolutely love. Great. So we'll come on to uh, the environment stuff. We have questions on that. <laughs> so before that, we'd like to know um, uh, how has been your experience in Brown overall as far as academics is concerned? Uh, how do you find uh, the professors and the classes and the students? Academic-wise, how have they been? So, um, academically, let's see. I think it's a very, very different way of learning. I personally did ICSE. I did um, ICSE and ISE. I did not do IB. Mm -hmm. And on standardized testing, I did two APs, ACT, SAT, and all of that. So I, I don't think college work is like work I've ever done before. Even though I had done two research papers, I found it challenging to adjust in college to some extent. Um, I took a philosophy class which required, um, you know, well thought out and well structured essays, which I don't think we got proper exposure to in curriculums like ICSE. Yeah. So I think if you're coming from Indian boards, it's difficult to adjust um, for more of the philosophical, um, history, English, for a lot of the humanities classes, mm -hmm. which was very interesting because I am a humanities you know, I was a student. And um, now, of course, I'm doing applied maths and economics as my major. I s mm -hmm. But um, I've always loved humanities. Um, on the math and economic side of things and the more science side of things, I think while India has a more vast curriculum, like in one year we learn a lot more mm -hmm. than we're expected to learn in the US, I think the depth of understanding in the US is a lot greater. Like I remember I had a calculus homework question which I just was not understanding. I sent it to my friend who's studying in India and he's done much higher level calculus but neither of us could figure it out because it wasn't really testing your ability to solve a question, it was testing your ability to apply the concept. Yeah. It was like it was an integration question that didn't have basic solving. It talked about structuring an integral in some different 
in on a graph or something like that. And you know, basic things like this, which we don't really look at over here, we're expected to know very thoroughly there, which I found challenging. Right. So do you think it would have made a difference had you been from an IB curriculum to, you know, just uh, gel better with the kind of curriculum that you had at Brown? Uh, not necessarily. I think both IB and ISC have their advantages. I think my peers from IB, while they have an advantage when it comes to um, research and, you know, writing and things like that, I think we have a much greater advantage when it comes to recall power. I'm able to recall and quickly learn large amounts of information. Um, also, when it comes to maths, we have, um, I think we're able to calculate much faster because in grade 9 and 10, we didn't have access to a calculator. So I guess mentally we have, we're able to calculate a lot faster. And I think things like that where ability to quickly um, recall large amounts of information, memorize terms, things like that is, is very, very helpful. So moving on to our next question, uh, how was your uh, navigation, uh, like the entire transition from being an Indian student in an Indian school and being with family and then all together in US being all by yourself and, uh, you know, to an entirely new country? Was there a culture shock for you and how did you adapt to the new environment? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Mm -hmm. I think... Um, I think I found a lot of peace in having uh, so many Indian friends around me. Even something small like talking in Hindi here, which we take for granted or barely do. Mm -hmm. It's like such a comfort in the US. We carry our Maggie packets and like late mm -hmm. at night we'll make Maggie. But honestly, I think having international friends has been truly wonderful. Mm -hmm. My best, best friend, one of my best, best friends in the US is um, American and mm -hmm. Korean. And um, I don't think I've been able to connect with a lot of people in the same way. I think if you're open to connecting with people from all over, everyone is very friendly and looking mm -hmm. to make friends. Because remember, everyone's in the same journey, in the same, journey, in the same boat. And honestly, the biggest challenge for me was the weather. It was so cold there. It's so cold. Mm -hmm. But I think the people are very friendly and um, everyone's looking to expand. So it's a, it's a, it's a good journey. Yeah, so, you know, uh, going ahead with the entire procedure of, uh, you know, abroad education is to diverse yourself and be in that exact situation but then um, for some students it's not you know easy right in the start they take time to dwell in the environment and you know open up there's a lot of support available in college we have there's counseling there's um, cultural associations mm -hmm. there's uh, senior Michael Johns at least in Brown which is a senior you're partnered with to help you through your first year mm -hmm. Um, so I'm saying there's just, there's so, so many resources. Mm -hmm. I just think if you're ever having a tough time in college, which I did for a bit, the weather and everything just had me very down. Mm -hmm. I think there are so many resources you can reach out to that really help. So that's one good thing to keep in mind. That's very considerate of the college also. But then when you deal with such thousand of number of students from all across the world, that's sort of a very nice gesture on the part of the college that they're yeah. providing that kind of support. They have a lot of mental health support and they have, a, they have an entire house for, um, it's like called the Brown Student of Color House, especially for students coming from abroad, students of color. You can just go there, study, find a safe haven. They have an, uh, they have an Indian student's room where they have like a place to worship and things like that. So there's like, there's like a lot of support available. That's, that's nice that you do have a mandir at your school. Like that's, very, mandir. Yeah, that's very encouraging over a theme. <laughs> Not even like a proper one. Like they have like they have one outside of college, and then they have like little shivlings and stuff in college. Yeah. It's it's very makeshift, but it's very comforting. 
but then i see a lot of americans being influenced with indian culture like uh, yeah so maybe that's one of the part but you describing me that you guys have a mandir in brown university is very you know keep in mind a makeshift and external <laughs> mandir not a proper mandir yeah yeah okay but still having yeah. an idol yeah. in itself is very much thing that how much as a culture india has developed yeah so uh, can you um, share more about the extracurriculars activities in brown as you mentioned that you've been an outgoing person all your school life and you have been in some crazy extracurriculars and how was it uh, after going to college were you able to continue being one year over there how was it and were you able to continue the same you know streak and the same activities that you used to do here i'm uh, on my in my second semester i got elected as the president of the indian student association So currently I'm co-president with a senior of mine and um, we organize a lot of festivals on campus we do holi we do diwali we do poojas so i think um, you know we try and really keep the indian spirit alive there's a mm-hmm. indian restaurant in brown mm-hmm. and for all of our meetings and gatherings we order samosas and chaat and biryani so one of my extracurriculars is you know the indian student association which mm-hmm. i'm kind of advocating for indians abroad then i did i was part of a consultancy club for a bit and that helped me realize that i don't like consultancy <laughs> um i'm doing intramural sports we have a gym and i did uh, i was part of a, a theater club starla where we performed it on campus we did comedy we did um we had two or three shows so i think i'm still in the mode of settling down and ac- academically kind of getting into brown but i i i have been very involved with extracurriculars there so it's just your freshman year and it's now freshman. yeah so you've done a lot in just your freshman year so let's see what you do next so did you miss india at all i really do and i i, I don't want to have a false perception i've mm-hmm. had uh, it's not all been easy and fun and great honestly there can be very very hard weeks where it's so cold you miss your family so much mm-hmm. you literally don't want to leave your room you just want to sit there and just sleep but I think I found a really good support and friendship there. Like if one or two days I don't go for class or I'm sitting or it's just too cold and I'm done, my friend will get me food, she'll get me coffee, she'll sit with me. You know, it's really really nice. So I think not to give a false perception, college can be very difficult, especially when you're international. But I think if you if you want there is support to reach out to. That's great to know. So what advice would you give to the high school students who aspire to attend brown or any of the ivy leagues for that matter so i mean honestly i shouldn't be saying this because this is all i did but i compared my application to like every other application marks common app my seniors this that i think at some point you need to um, trust your gut um actually a lot of people including my parents told me to ed to tufts they mm-hmm. said it's too competitive this year you're not going to get brown just ed to tufts mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen and uh, i was very close to doing an early decision to tufts and i don't know something in my gut just told me don't do it 5 years from now you're going to regret it just because you you will never know exactly. and i'm not to say that not to ed to a school a safety or anything like that or a, a great school like tufts or whatever it is but i'm saying to some extent you need to trust your gut and it was the scariest decision i made not to do an ed because i was getting athletic recruitment at tufts they were recruiting mm-hmm. me as an athlete so it was it was a very 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 good opportunity but mm-hmm. i think it was the hardest decision i made and i'm so glad i made it because i trusted my god it worked out for it worked best. out very well 
Yes. So, um, in terms of building connections and, you know, students also do internships in their college years. How has it been uh, for you as a freshman? Do you see a lot of people interning, um, you know, first year in the college and did you do that? And how did that work out for you? So that's actually a very good question. I think finding internship opportunities your first year is just incredibly difficult. Um, So what I did is, I I know that now that I'm doing math and economics, my Mm -hmm. sophomore, junior and senior year are very important for internships or whatever I want to do. This year, I've actually, I'm taking time to work on my own project. Mm -hmm. I'm currently working on a bit of a startup and I'm learning more about investing. So I'm trying to learn about how to invest my money, use my own stock portfolio to like mm-hmm. fund a startup and you know work a business. But I do know my friends who are interning at um, various companies. I think one friend is doing the yeah one friend is doing investing, another friend is doing consultancy at PwC. So I think it's not impossible to get an internship your first year. Mm-hmm. I think the people you know and the connections you have is very important. So. I would definitely use um, whichever college you go to, in my case, Brown. We have um, massive alumni networks. We have um, a Brown Consulting Group, which is in direct contact with BCG, McKinsey, PwC, all of the massive firms. So I think getting in those firms, meeting people from these companies and all is a huge plus. But I made the decision this summer. I didn't apply for internships. I wanted to work on my own startup. That's great. That's a very good decision in itself. And I think uh, it's all about the practical knowledge when it comes to internships, whether you're working with a company or working on your startup, you're going to learn anyways doing the practical thing. And, you know, whatever you learn from books, it's much better when you do it, you know, upfront on your own. I was considering doing policy in the middle. I really, really Mm -hmm. wanted to work with um, the Niti Aayog Mm -hmm. as an intern. But Mm -hmm. I think think there's more to be learned before I can Mm -hmm. look at an opportunity like that. Alright, so um, moving on to our last question for the day. <laughs> so looking back at your one year in college, what do you think uh, are the changes that you would like to make so that, you know, things could have been a little better in terms of anything? Okay, so the one, I mean, I've been asked this question before and the singular advice I give is, I literally worked on my essay till 11.57 of the deadline. I'm not joking, I submitted my brown application at 11.59. And I think that that's a bit obsessive. I think at some point you need to be able to let go, <laughs> which I just was not able to do. And I think it's very unnecessary. I think the level of stress it caused me, my mother, my counselor, everybody was unbelievable. But I'm, by nature, I, I'm a perfectionist. I, ha- I just feel the need to do those things. I think it's okay to let go. And yes, I had very good marks in 10th. I had very good predictives. I had a good ACT, but I didn't have the best marks in 9th. I was in my 80s. Uh, lower 80s and um, it took me 1480 and then I had to do ACT. It took me, you know, one failed, SC, not failed, 1480 is a good score, but it took me one average score to get to a 35 in the ACT. So I'm saying don't lose faith. One bad exam, one bad ACT, one bad AP, whatever it is, it's not defining. The US looks at just too many more factors like your teacher recommendations, which is very important. So build a good relationship with your teachers and counselors. But just don't get bogged down by a few bad test scores or things like that. There's just so much more you can offer. Right. So uh, with that, we conclude our today's podcast. Thank you so much, Anushka. Your insights have been really great. And it was so nice speaking with you. Uh, Also, if you would like to give some parting note uh, to the podcast, that'll be great as well. A parting note. Yes. (laughs) 
I think it's important to push yourself very, very hard, but I think it's very, it's even more important to know when to just let go. Right. So on that note, we leave everybody on this podcast. I'll see you next week with another podcast and another bright student from Tutela. Until then, don't forget to give us five stars if you're listening to this on Spotify and don't forget to subscribe to our channel if you're listening to this on YouTube. <laughs> I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you.